But then, but then Marvel have their own problems with: Is Magneto dead? No one knows. They can't decide. They really can't. I, I, I could tell you this story. This is a great story. Just Go quickly. On. So they did a whole story arc. Grant Morrison wrote this great story arc. It's opened with an, a story called E is for Extinction. And they, uh, a giant sentinel is unleashed on the island of Genosha where Magneto and all his mutants live. And, they kill, and it kills Magneto. That's like in the issue one. Years later, a character is shown up called Zorn. Zorn has this skull helmet on and he's got all these cool powers and he's a Buddhist and he's awesome, awesome, awesome. And then it turns out he's Magneto. He's been pretending to be Zorn all this time. You go, what a great toy. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Then Magneto's now Zorn. He's take, he, you know, he's revealed he's Magneto. He starts doing things. He's about to take over the world and then Wolverine kills him. And then Marvel went, Magneto's dead. And Grant Morrison had finished his run and he left yeah. and they went, we need to bring back Magneto. How do we do that? Well, what if Zorn was a real guy and the guy who thought he was Magneto was Zorn's evil twin? <laughs> so they did that. And then someone pointed out, Magneto died at the beginning of the arc. Is he still dead? <laughs> and they went, ho ho. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylog team. So today we're going to talk about inspiration and Breaking Bad. Yes, uh, and if you want to get in touch with any questions or any ideas for things you want us to talk about, then we're on Twitter at the Story Toolkit um, and the website thestorytoolkit.wordpress.com has a little email tab thingy and you can email us things not limited to 140 characters. Tis true. Tis true indeed. Tis true English. Um, so let's get into it. Okay, so we're going to use Breaking Bad as an example uh, about this, which is about the nature of inspiration and how typically inspiration is either lauded or ignored. Lauded? Lauded. Yeah, L A. No, I know the word. I just, okay. I just, I wondered what you meant. Yeah, a lot of people really highly value inspiration more than they should, and other people sort of discount it and think you just write, you just write every day as if like that's how that works. And it's not. Inspiration is a thing that is, like often it's just one side or the other. People either, you know, overvalue it or undervalue it. And the point here is just to get into a little bit of depth of inspiration through Breaking Bad because everyone knows what the inspiration for Breaking Bad is or was or whatever the concept for Breaking yeah. Bad yeah the basic pitch you know a lot of people really put a lot of stake in these sort of logline pitch type things and they say you know if you have a really good logline you're sorted and we say actually that's not the case at all um, uh, and Breaking Bad had that you know it's very famous what the inspirational sort of Logline for Breaking Bad is, and um, uh, it's worth sort of unpacking why that idea could lead to Breaking Bad, mm. whereas lots of loglines are just terrible before you even try to unpack them. Just pause button, the terminology, yes. logline. Logline means die hard in space. <laughs> That's it. That That kind of thing. It's like... Uh, and so with Breaking Bad, it's Mr. Chips becomes Scarface. 
Yeah. That's the log line, right? It's just a simple sentence that you can say to an executive over, you know, a table to hook them. And a lot of people think if you can't turn your story into a log line, it's not a good story, which is insane. But that's actually a thing that's taught. Mm. Uh, and uh, unaware that the whole point of the logline is to help you sell it to people who can't be bothered to read. Why do you think? Why do you think people teach that if you can't turn it into a logline, it's not a good idea? Because people uh, need the logline in order to sell it to someone who doesn't want to read. They want to be pitched something super quick. Go, yep, I like that idea, kid. You're hired. And done, right? It's like from the studio system time, you know? Just mm. like a quick shorthand to describe what the story's about. It's like, listen, it's going to be a Clark Gable movie. Uh, uh, we're thinking Clark Gable, but a uh, gun with the wind type thing. But this time it's going to be, we're going to flip the roles. I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah, it's like, gun with the wind, flipped. We've got Clark Gable on. It's like, cool, fast track it, right? And it was the studio system, that kind of thing. And you just had a fast track of work just being made and... That's all people wanted and needed to do it because you had people on staff who would write and, and then they were the directors and the producers, and the, right? So this logline was how, how that thing came about, but it's created a culture of people who want to be told a logline so they can just pitch the movie so that they can then sell the movie to people who don't want to read, who aren't interested in reading anything. And they just go, yeah, it's, it's a new Transformers film. It's like Transformers, but with turtles, you know? Like, that's it. Okay, cool. You know, here's some money. Go do it, right? So the the teaching has become, if you can't put it into a logline, it doesn't sell. The reason it doesn't sell is because no one will watch it. The reason no one will watch it is because it's not any good. And so that's why you have to have a logline. Right. And, you know, it's like, hey, Herman Melville, what's the logline for Moby Dick? Please tell me. Oh, well, then I won't read your work. You know Shakespeare. What's your logline? You know, it's just like it's 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 a it's a really arcane thing that's sort of been blown out of proportion uh, to help people pitch stories and sell them in a specific environment, and it has, as a result, become the thing which is almost taught more importantly than story. Uh, and so it's a part of a whole thing, which is you need an idea that you can easily package and sell. Uh, and that's more important than actually being able to turn that idea into story. Because if you can do that, you're sold, you get your contract, it gets option, blah, 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 blah. Mm. So that there's a whole school of thinking that goes along those lines, which is just um, thinking about how to pitch a story rather than actually how to do a story. Mm. Uh, and, in and in fact, like when I actually finally finally find the time to do my rewrites and put them up on YouTube, you'll see what I mean, because a lot of... Uh, like rewrites that people do, a lot of pitches that people do, they use a lot of hype to sell it. And people, writers are taught how to sell stories as opposed to actually make them. And so my point would be like, here's, here's what an actual rewrite has to do. It has to actually have the turning points in it. You can't just hide behind log lines and hype. And so a log line, that's what a log line is. So Mr. Chips meets Scarface is exactly a kind of log... Sorry, Mr. Chips becomes Scarface is a logline that someone like Vince Gilligan would use to get a meeting, to get mm. some funding and so on. But Vince Gilligan is actually a professional who can write. So do you know what I mean? It's not a problem. Yeah. But what I'm saying is the teaching of these things as story is a problem. Actually having a logline, so what? 
it's okay. Hmm. But uh, it's it's the fact that it's overvalued is the problem. Okay, right. Yeah. All right, so let's um, move on to the sort of different aspects that you wanted to talk. Let's let's, let's brush through those and we, then we'll apply them to Breaking Bad. So the first bit was whether your idea is germane or robust. Yeah, so, pe- you know, getting inspired is often not that hard. Um, it's not hard to come up with ideas a lot of the time, especially the more you do it, the easier and easier it becomes to come up with ideas. And um, uh, so you have this thing of sometimes um, how can you tell if your idea has actually got enough material in it to get you to the finish line? Like, how can you tell that there's enough material here for a five-season series or enough material for a 30-minute episode or enough, you know, how can you tell? Before you actually start writing. Well, yeah, or even if you've just, you might be, you might already be writing it. But it's something's not clicking, and you're like, I don't get it. And you know, you have to make choices between your ideas and so on. It's like, how can you measure the quality of your idea? Like, if I've just said, you know, an idea can't help you, but there are good ideas and there are bad ideas. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There are, you know, that's the case. People always talk about this. There are good ideas, there are bad ideas, and so on. So, how can you tell if your idea is good enough to get you far enough along? How can you tell if it's got enough? Uh, material in it and if you have to pick between what you're going to spend your time on doing how do you know that and this is something that people generally don't bother to even uh, consider and for me what I often find it's it's, it's and again if you're doing a lot of rewrites and consultations and doctoring and all that stuff you start to pick up that a lot of problems lie in the idea not in someone's capacities for talent. It's like your idea just doesn't have enough in it to generate the amount of scenes you need. And then the more you do that, the more you start to look at your own ideas and go, well, this idea is a nice one, but I don't even have enough material in this idea to get me to four acts or three acts in a full-length work, let alone a TV series. So now I have to work that idea more. And if you have to pick between ideas then you have to be able to go, well, this one requires less work than this one, so I can start working on that one and try and hopefully produce something that will get me money that I can then use to, you know, live, <laughs> right? And so so it's just a question of if there's such a thing as good ideas and bad ideas, what is the distinction? What makes one idea good and another idea bad, right? Mm-hmm. And so my thinking is, and this is important to realize, this is not a checklist at all. And it's not that you should think even for a second that you need to have all of these things to be able to write something. Uh, Because these things will eventually just come, you know, they'll fill themselves in. Uh, But it's just just a a way of trying to examine your own inspiration uh, if if for whatever reason you need to. If you don't need to, it doesn't matter, right? But it's just to help, Mm -hmm. right? So here's five sort of things that you can consider when measuring an idea. That's how I would phrase. It, okay, so it's it's not it's not a litmus test or a check. Sorry, it's not a checklist or anything. It's it's a litmus test. It's a little just a just a way of trying to quantify, not quantify, qualify an idea. You know, just like okay. So five things that you could consider is this: Does the concept, does the idea, the inspiration, does it have built into it conflict? So is there an inherent conflict in it, right? So, you know, is there a conflict between one thing and another thing on one level of life, multiple levels of life, and so on? 
if you have an idea for a story and there's no conflict in that idea, you're going to have trouble actually generating any material at all, right? You're going to have to find conflict somewhere. And you may. You may sit down and start writing it and then you start to realize, oh, there's, you know, there's a war or there's a family problem or whatever. Okay, there's conflict between these two characters or there's conflict within this character. or You might discover it. So it's not that you can't start writing if you don't have conflict, but it's just something to consider if you're going, ah, something about this idea isn't clicking or whatever. It's like, it may be you're lacking conflict. Maybe there's just not an inherent conflict in this idea, right? So for example, let's say you want to do a story about um, uh, a footballer, okay? Yeah, I'd like to tell a story about a footballer. I think that'd be cool watching a footballer do, you know, getting through the careers and all that stuff but if you don't have any conflict you just want to talk about what it's like to be a professional footballer for example that's not going to get you very far Mm. Uh, and at some point you might start to inherently put conflict in because you'll be thinking like that but you may also stop and you may consider okay hold on what what really is the problem for professional footballers and someone might decide well the problem is the uh, difficulty in keeping ethical because you've got so much money and you've got such a short time to be a professional footballer, you try and get as much out of it as possible. So how ruthless are you on the pitch, off the pitch, when people are tempting you with drugs and women, or how hard is it to keep yourself from becoming corrupt? You may say, well, the conflict is between that and them being role models. Um, you may, you may, on the other hand, not care about any of that and think you have a footballer who's very, very intelligent and very, very self-aware and is now worried that he's... At, football is actually meaningless hmm. and what's he doing wasting all his time and how come everyone else thinks it's so important when they don't themselves uh, on the other hand what if the football was a woman and now she's after the respect because female footballers don't get as much respect as male footballers right and so on and on it might go but at first you might say I want to do something about a professional footballer well until but it doesn't necessarily have any conflict built in but now you put conflict in there and suddenly the idea has more weight to it Right. Yeah. So that's one thing you might consider. Another thing you might consider is um, is uh, insight, which is that you have some sort of insight into the world and these characters that either everyone knows but won't say, or no one has seen and noticed. No one has noticed this before. So it might be one or the other. So you know, again with the footballer thing. Uh, you might say, you know, the you might look read up on professional footballers and so on. You go, oh yeah, I want to do footballers and just want to chronicle the story of how hard it is for a woman to be considered a sports hero in the same way that men are, right? Let's say that's what you want to focus on. That's that's my good idea. But you don't really have any insight into that necessarily. You might find some the more research you do, the more exploration you do. But on the other hand, you might actually have straight away the idea that actually what you really want to talk about is uh, you, the insight is that fundamentally uh, say um, that the reason it's difficult is because uh, women by and large uh, aren't cons- uh, sports mentalities are very competitive alpha male kind of environments where it's very violent almost or ruthless and women by and large don't have that kind of um, what do you call it uh, aura and so women in these kind of things just don't sell in the same way. You might say it's just, just the nature of how women are. On the other hand, you might say, no, no, people are just inherently misogynistic. Or you might have whatever, right? Or it's both. 
whatever. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you have it's more than just oh, I'm going to show how hard it is for them. It's like I'm going to show uh, there's an insight in here which is why it's harder necessarily, right? Or, or whatever. So there's just an insight. It's either something no one wants to talk about that everyone knows, or something people haven't noticed before, such as just how difficult it is. I mean, that might be the insight. The insight is not just, oh, it's difficult for women to make it. It's like, no, no, this is how difficult it is for a female footballer to become, uh, to get even a tenth of the success and recognition a male footballer does with half their talent. And in fact, that might be the insight. For example, um, if I was doing a story, say I wanted to do a story about professional basketball, I would point out that my insight into that would be women basketballers are better than men. They're actually better. It's not that oh, they're fully better because male basketballers are so stupidly tall. It doesn't require that as much skill as you may think to dunk the ball when the ball when the net is that low to you. But the women are shorter by like a foot, and so for them, they work so much harder, and so they've got they're actually better players. If you were to increase the height of the the nets for the male players, they would not be as good as the women. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that might be the insight that you have and to go, haha, actually women are better at it than men, right? Even though they get less attention, less funding, less sponsorship, right? Uh, same, in fact, uh, I, remember, I don't know why I'm focusing on sports, but... Uh, <laughs> it's I, the last topic I ever expected you to, I, to freestyle. I don't know why it just happened. Uh, I remember uh, Gina Carano, I think, or Ronda Rousey, one of them, were talking about MMA and how men are worse than women because men expect to be cool cool really cool good fighters and so as a result they think they're like bruce lee and all that stuff and women don't have that baggage so women fight better than men <laughs> in the mma which i thought was great right so something like that anyway so, so now now you know that you might have as you see what i'm saying like the yeah, difference yeah. between it anyway. so that might be one thing another thing you might have is uh, um an emotional idea so your story might not have an emotional aspect so yeah it's interesting that you've got a professional <laughs> female athlete you got some insight into what it's like to be a professional female athlete etc but emotionally there's nothing there you don't actually feel anything is it heartbreaking is it longing is it inspirational is it um uh, you know is it just a uh, hilarious or whatever do you know what i mean there's no there's no emotional resonance to the idea and so as you write you might find something that you put in but if you start to go Matt, it's hilarious that women are better than men at most sports and men don't realize this, right? Then you start to go, that would be amazing. What if you do the Mulan thing, right? Where the woman pretends to be a man and no one notices and then you want to like get really funny with it and get ridiculous with it, okay? And so now you've got this silly, crazy idea going on like, okay, I'm going to show how hard it is for women because I'm going to dress a woman up as a man. Right, and then you might just go once over. What if actually she's bad? <laughs> like she thinks she's really good, but she's actually bad. Or she's amazing, and people can't, it won't accept that when she reveals that she's a woman, they just presume he's gone trans. You know. <laughs> you realise you're pitching a Philly episode right now. I, I am, but <laughs> but I, it's one that I'm freestyling. Actually, it's completely. <laughs> but the the point being is that that emotional thing now suddenly. There's something else to it that wasn't there when you had the conflict, that wasn't there when you had the insight. By the way, I'm going through these in no order. They just happen to be written down in this order. I haven't... This is totally just... I'm just trying to express these different elements separately to try and make sense of what an idea is and so you can help qualify it. So you might go like, 
I like this idea, I will really want to write it, but something's not right. Well, maybe it's because there's no emotional core to it. There's no emotional idea to this concept. Yeah. Okay. I think it it really is worth just reiterating that point. Um uh you were saying at the beginning that this isn't a checklist that it's it just, really, really isn't. It's, it's just, just a nice test. Um, it's just trying to unpack the difference between a bad idea and a good idea. And the, the difference between an idea that has very little um, that has a very shallow pool of inspiration, an idea that has a very large one. Yeah, that's that's all. It's not there. It's this, a also, this also isn't. It's not. It, it's also not new information. It's just putting a label on something. If if as yes. a writer you've had an idea and you're like, oh, you know, I kind of like this idea, but I'm not sure I could turn it into a story. Yeah, there might be a reason for that, and this should help at least. Yeah, test that. And in fact, like, it's certainly not a thing that if you haven't got these things, oh, you can't write. You know, it's like go ahead and write. If you if you want to write your idea, you don't even have to know any of this stuff. Just just write it. Yeah. But at some point, you might realize I'm not writing anymore, and I haven't even finished a draft. Mm. I haven't even got full characters. I haven't worked out the history. I can't even tell where to set my story. You know, those kind of things. That is a suggestion that the problem isn't that you're blocked or that you're lacking information. It's that the idea is just run out. Your idea just didn't have these areas into it. So now you might want to look back and think about your ideas, the nature of your idea, and go, well, what was missing at the idea stage? See what I'm saying? Mm. So that's, but it's, it's not meant to be, unless you've checked these things off, you can't even start page one. Like, no, just go for it. Don't worry about it. Why you want to write doesn't matter. It's, it's just, just as a, it's, a, it's a, just a tool. Mm. Uh, so. Two more, right? We had, yeah. we've done three. We did yeah. conflict, and we did insight, and we did emotion. So the last two. Um, so there might be a structural thing to consider, which is how uh, the nature of how you're actually going to pace out the events and the story and so on. So you might decide to do the story with flashbacks. You might decide to do the story over um, seasons. Uh, you might decide to do the story uh, just simply chronologically in a short amount of time. Um, you might decide to tell the story from different points of view, uh, things like that. Something like that might just crop in. So you might go, for example, taking again this ridiculous farce of a woman dressing up as a male athlete to show off that women are better than men. You might have a thing where you want to tell the story from two points of view, namely from the point of view of this woman, but also from the point of view of, say, uh, uh, maybe her coach or someone else in the... Uh, one of her top competitors, right? Uh, or maybe uh, her best friend who uh, won't do the Mulan thing with her. And so as a result, you've got one person who's doing it honestly and staying you know, out in the open as a woman. And like she's just doing the other one who's just taking a shortcut to expose everyone or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you might cut between the two so you could see the difference between what women's sports looks like internally and what male sports looks like internally, but both from the point of view of women. Or you might even flip it. Maybe she has a bet with a male athlete who then pretends to be a woman, so she can pretend to be a man, and they switch around to show, you know, it's like, which one has it more tough, right? And that might be the thing, right? You might go, oh, that would be a cool way of doing it. So there might be something just, it might be similar, but on the other hand, you might go, no, I just, here's what I want to do. Just, I want to focus on her one thing, just her, from start to finish, from uh, childhood, where she falls in love with her sport, all the way to the end of her career, where she's a legend and, I'm going to have this story take place over 50 years, or I'm going to have this story take place over five years, or 
whatever. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Actually, you know what? I want to focus on just her teenage years and so on. Uh, sports careers are very short. I want to actually focus on just the prime of her life. Mm. That kind of thing. So it doesn't... It, it, just something like that might help um, give the idea something more to it than just the sprawling nature of, of just... Well, it could be anything. It's like, actually, by doing this, it can help you focus the work around certain things and thus deepen the pool. And then, lastly, uh, it should probably be based on something actual. Um, and so if your idea is just completely fantastic and fictional and abstract, um, it might lack any grounding. And so it's very hard to get other people into the idea. Because it just doesn't mean anything. It's not resonant with anything. Um, there's no fa- there's no reality to it. And so sometimes you might just go, okay, I want to focus uh, on something or like there's something actual here. So in this case, obviously, you know, it's based on real sports and so on. But then I might discover that a woman actually did this. Mm. Uh, I know there are some Olympic athletes where there's a discussion over what sex that person was. Were they actually a woman yeah. or were they a man pretending to be a woman so they could get the gold? And then I might research one of those people and go, okay, okay, I want to focus it on that person. I'm just going to yeah. make a biopic now. Uh, on the other hand, maybe I'll just use a composite of all these things. And now I have something to build it off of. And obviously in this case, it, you could say, oh no, what if it's a fake sport? <laughs> you know, it's like a basketball or whatever. It's like, actually, if I make it a real sport, you know what I mean? Maybe that makes it worth better, and so on. So it's just one of those things where there's something. It doesn't have to obviously be realistic. It could be fantasy or whatever. But the point being is that even if it's fantasy, you want something actual there to group get people in, right? And so yeah. if you're writing a fantasy story and you have no basis in the actuality, then it'll be very hard to get people into your world. I was just going to pause on that because I, uh, um, I can hear listeners now saying like, "What you know? What about fantasy stories, etc." Right. Um, so, I mean, an example like well, Lord of the Rings has enormous allusions to the First World War. It's not right. allegory because Tolkien didn't like allegories. Yeah, but it's got allusions to what it's like to be in war Great. and okay. fighting for things like that. Narnia has uh, is an allegory for Christianity, um, as C.S. Lewis was, you know, very clear about. Yeah. Uh, he never hid it from anyone, but he wrote it as basically a thought experiment of what if. Uh, Christianity happened in another world, in a fantasy world. Right. Uh, so Aslan is actually like supposed to be Jesus. It's not supposed to be like a metaphor. It's like he's actually this is actually the exact same story, but in a fantasy world. Yeah. Exact same events. So, um, so there's something like that just built into it, you know. Sure. But, okay. You know. So anyway, so those are the things uh, that you you might look at an idea and go, meh, something's I'm running out of steam, whatever. Well, maybe it's because you haven't considered this area, and maybe you find other areas. So let's. I mean, I know you've gone through your wonderful um, football farce <laughs> example. Um, I actually kind of like it. I kind of want to do it. <laughs> it's not a bad one. It could be fun. Um, but let's let's go to the example that we wanted to talk about today. Let's go to the the the, the logline for Breaking Bad. Yeah, Mister Chips becomes Scarface. Right, conflict. Okay, so immediately that com- there's a key, key conflict in that premise, which is that he goes against the law. Right. Yeah. There's straight away a key conflict in that. So you know, Mr. Chips becomes Scarface is a is going to have a lot of crime involved. He's up against the police. He's up against criminals, and so on. So straight away, that simple sentence 
has within it, you can tell, oh, there's a place of conflict here. As soon as you start to write that, you're going to start thinking, how does Mr. Chips get away with his crimes and become Scarface? Mm. But there's also conflict uh, within... That's definite, right? But you don't necessarily... Some people may not want to, but Vince Gilligan obviously did, which is the moral change in the character, which is between the characters being a moral person becoming an immoral person Mm. over the course of the story. So how does this character wrestle with their conscience and their own sort of sense of uh, ethics? And so there's obvious conflict in that idea. Insight. Uh, The insight is that Mr. Chips can become Scarface. That anyone can become Scarface. (laughs) Right? That the most law-abiding person can become uh, a drug kingpin so that the criminal capacity is in everyone. is sort of built into that. That there's just... That Mr. Chips could become Scarface. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh yeah, I can see how he could do that because Mr. Chips is really smart. And so he'd be able to pull people over. Like, you watch Breaking Bad and you see Walt's genius allow him to become the greatest crystal meth cook who ever lived, right? Because he's that good at it. Like, if, if these people who, uh, who who commit crimes a lot of the time aren't good enough. Like, the, the idea that they're not actually that great at this thing. But if you had someone who's really good at it, they could really get away with it. You know, um, I think he. I think he even read a story about a, a teacher who tried to do this, and they, you know, they didn't understand the chemistry. <laughs> you know, it just went wrong. You have all these people trying to make meth, and it blows things up, and they yeah. kill themselves. And I was like, well, what if you had a real, like a top proper guy who knew what he was doing, and he decided to start cooking meth? Like he'd make the best meth ever, and he'd just become Scarface. And, you know, so that that's the insight into it, which is like it's not. Um, which is that crime really is something that could be done. Yeah, yeah I guess. Isn't there a, 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 in terms of insight and originality there as well? Like we hadn't seen that before. Yes, yes, there is. Yeah, definitely. Emotion. Uh, oh, yeah, so uh, Mr. Chips meets Scarface does have a sort of exhilaration to it, I think. You know, like you watch that the change itself is so large and so dynamic, it's just sort of inherently kind of exciting and intriguing. Mm. Um, and um, and so straight away, it's like, yeah, the, the, how how does he pull off his criminal empire? It's just filled with like intrigue. So when great. when you say emotion, by the way, uh, as yes. part of this test, you mean emotion of you as a, an audience member, writer, or either. You, or, either. Either. Yeah, just it's just. I, I mean, I'm thinking more an emotion that the audience would get on board with. Right. Okay. Because emotion that you have would be just passion. Yeah. Um, it's just you're passionate towards something, but th- this, uh, you know, you, you're excited to write it. But I'm thinking about an emotion that's conveyed to the audience, and so in this case, you can tell how does Mister. Like, as soon as you say Mister. Chips becomes Scarface, the first question is how. <laughs> right. How does that happen? Yeah. Well, it's because. So that will be very intriguing, no matter what you do. Okay, structural. So uh, Vince Gilligan's uh, idea, Mr. Chips from Scarface, once again, is the time it would take to do that. Yeah. Like how to build that change over time, as opposed to just doing it in two hours or whatever. How to build that over time. Sure. And actual? Uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) So like crystal meth is actually a thing. Right. It's, it's actually a thing. Uh, Mr. Chips is an actual person, I think, wasn't he? He was an actual teacher, or am I thinking of Mr. Rogers? 
I can't remember. You might remember. be thinking of Mr. Rogers. I don't remember who Mr. Is Chips a, is. Mr. Chips is, a, um, is another character, isn't it? Is it a character? Scarface? So. Two Brits talking about American I culture. Don't I don't remember. Wee. But it's based on, like, you know, crystal meth is a real thing. Yeah. The drug business is a real thing. The motivations for why people go into crime are real things and so on. Yeah. So there's an actual thing of, like, everyone's understood that kind of sense of, I could just if I could get away with it, what would you, you know? What would you do? So there's an act, there's a sense of actuality there, which is the the capacity within people to commit crimes. And so, so the idea just has so much in it yeah. that he, because Vince Gilligan, he was writing X Files, and I think he wrote Space Above and Beyond as well. Like you know, he's a television writer, accomplished television yeah. writer, and he has an idea in his head for a series. And he's looking around, he's like, Mr. Chips meets Scarface, and then he does an episode of X-Files called Drive, which starred Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston, he wrote Drive, Vince Gilligan. And Brian Cranston's in it. And this must have been either just before, or it must have been just before Malcolm in the Middle. Right, I think. Sure. I think. All around the time of Malcolm in the Middle. And Brian Cranston is in there, and he plays a character who's an anti-Semite, uh, redneck American type guy by the end of the episode you feel really really sorry for him and he saw that performance and he went that's the guy to be my breaking you know my Mr. Chips becomes Scarface that's that's who, that's the actor I need for that show mm. he can pull that off because you need someone who, who people will fall in love with even if they do horrible things mm. and say horrible things so so he's going around he's got this idea in his head and Vince Gilligan is a smart man uh, and he's an accomplished writer and he knows what he's doing and so why is that idea something he looks at and knows he can do a five series story on just that one idea how does he know that that's got five years worth and I would say I mean he wouldn't articulate it like this but I would say he would just know that this has enough material in it to last five seasons Yeah, he has enough there and so what I'm trying to do is trying to suggest in a very sketchy way how if how you can look at your own ideas just to kind of get a gauge on how much is there so my ridiculous farce thing you know uh football thing i i would argue just already looking at it's like i don't know if i've got enough there right now to get me to a full-length story like a two-hour film 90-minute film but i have something of a start there that i could just you know i could start working on if i really yeah. wanted to and hopefully at some point i'd be able to build enough material out of it and i might need to go back and research blah, and go back and forth back and forth but it's enough right but if i had another idea that was more de- more in depth you know i could probably tell one way or the other it, you know you could tell as i was building that idea how there was more I- there was more material to it even though i wasn't writing a scene yeah there was no scene there's no characters. There's nothing like that. It was just an idea. It's just a sketch. But one sketch was more, had more material than another sketch. Yeah. And so who knows what was in Vince Gilligan's mind completely, how many notes he'd written, but he, he knew that premise. Mr. Chips becomes Scarface. He knew that what that shorthand represented had enough for five seasons. There's a, it's a good moment actually to, to push on because... Um, there, there's some other aspects rather than that um, neat little um, uh, uh, sketch you just did of those things yeah there's a few other things you wanted to talk about as well that things to think about when you have an idea like um, research 
and the implications of that. Oh yeah, so you have an idea and then you might go, oh, for example, this ridiculous farce idea that I have. Yeah. Immediately, I have to pick a sport. Yeah. So now I have to research sports to find one that I think fits. And off the top of my head, basketball is the one. That sounds like it could be fun to do. Mm. Right? Uh, but then I actually have to learn about basketball because I don't know anything about basketball. So now I'd have to learn about the NBA and what that stands for. <laughs> National Basketball Association? Is that right? Uh, I think it's a nation of basketball adults. Probably. It might even be basketballing. You laugh, but I didn't know what the FA stood for. Really? And I've forgotten since I was told. Football Association? <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay, there we go. I don't know what FIFA stands for. Federation of no International Football Athletes? No one knows. Okay. Um, so the meaning's been lost in time. But things like that, like I should probably know basketball pretty well if I'm right <laughs> about it, right? So you might just go, well, I have to research this, research that. But also having inspiration doesn't mean I don't have any more research to do. Sometimes you're, you know, it, you you just know where you have to go to find more stuff, and then you write, and then you research more, and so on. So it's not it's not a thing of like I can't start writing until I'm fully inspired. And I can't be fully inspired until I've done lots and lots of research. It's it's not it's not as it's not as mechanical or uh, factory line as that. Well, as as with any of the writing tools that we yeah. discuss, there's nothing mechanical about. No, it. it's just it's just one of those things where it's just research is a thing you have to consider, but it's not necessarily part of the idea. Research will inform an idea, and an idea will inform your research, and so yeah. on. And so you go back and forth. But it is, but as a matter of time management, if you have an idea that you really like the look of, and you have to research for it, and you realize there's a lot of things I have to learn about, yeah. you might decide, I haven't got the time. I just haven't got the time to do this particular story, because I don't know anything about basketball. Yeah. So I'm not going to do it. In fact, I don't know anything about any sport. So I'm definitely not going to... I, 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 I would suggest that you don't write anything about sport. Okay. Uh, except maybe powerlifting. I don't powerlift. <laughs> I hate powerlifting. Are you sure with those biceps? <laughs> I used to have a name. No, just the guy with the arms. Um, powerlifting. Powerlifting... I'm not going to get into this. <laughs> it, I, I really hate powerlifting. I don't. I don't hate powerlifters. I don't hate the concept of powerlifting. I hate doing it personally because I just go, it'll break me. <laughs> I've seen fail, people fail powerlifting. It does not look fun, <laughs> at all. Like, why do you want to deadlift 400 kilos? Why? <laughs> what does that do? Are you planning to go around lifting cars? Like, the only reason I can think of possibly wanting to be that strong is if I presume one day I'm going to be in that situation where I have to move a school bus to save kids or something. It's like, I'm not going to do that. Out of costume. <laughs> so research is one thing. Um, another is passion. I'm moving. I'm pushing past it. I, I, Come I'm, with me. I'm trying. I'm really trying. Passion. 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 I've got too much passion for my bodybuilding. No, my powerlifting fear. <laughs> it's just fear, Luke. It's just fear. There's nothing else. I'm sweating, guys. Just thinking about it. Okay, passion. So passion is simply a desire to to do it. Yeah. It has nothing to do with your idea. Your idea could be. I la- I want to do a story about a unicorn. That really likes ice cream. Like, okay. Okay. But you are so passionate about that idea. You'll bring that story to fruition. Like, that's going to happen. Has nothing to do with your idea. 
So passion isn't the same. So it doesn't matter how robust your idea is if you don't care enough to want to write it. Yeah. And similarly, um, it doesn't matter how weak your idea is if you care so much you want to write it, you'll work at it. So, so passion is a completely separate thing um, to consider, which is, again, if you're, you know, if you've got lots of ideas, you're trying to pick what idea to write about or whatever, if you really don't have a specific passion for a specific idea, uh, but, you know, you're kind of passionate about all of them, you know, whichever one you're thinking about is the one you want to do. Yeah. Then, okay, you, know, you might want to look at your, the quality of your ideas to pick. But if there's one that's a, like, if you go, this is a really good idea for a story, but I really, really want to write this one, even though it needs a lot of work. Pick the one you really want to write, right? It just makes sense. Yeah, I'm guessing the idea is that passion will drive that research and will yeah. drive that work. Yeah, exactly. Even if it will take more. Even if it takes more or whatever. It's it's not this. Pa- passion and inspiration are just separate things, and there's two sides of the coin. You need both. Yeah. Uh, and really, if you um, if you don't, I mean, it's hard to be really inspired without passion, and it's hard to be passionate without inspiration anyway. Yeah. But it's just one of those things that might crop up where you've been working an idea for so long and you hate it, right? Or an idea so fresh in you that you're really excited by it. Yeah. And sometimes you're just trying to temper your passions by understanding the nature of your idea. Yeah. That's all. And on on, on those two, as a, as a note, it's clear that Vince Gilligan won researched. Yes, he must have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for, for one, the um, uh, for one like drug empires, or at least like the making of yeah um, the healthcare system. Yeah, you need to know about. Yes, like, you can. You can just tell. That yeah, this is, how the DEA works. How the DEA works. Yeah, of course. Or the uh, how how you cook meth. Yeah, sorry that. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> right. That's There's all that kind of research, and he must have just loved the idea of getting the audience to go along that ride. Yeah. Um, and what, uh, it's actually because funny. he had the passion. Yeah, he must have time. loved that idea. He must have had that passion to to do that. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to get audiences to, on that ride with me. Yeah. And in fact, Better Call Saul, although we haven't, I haven't started watching season three yet, but I know that for Better Call Saul, one of the things that drove clearly him to wanting to do it was um, he <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> because he was like, you know, Saul's happy in his life in this in the prequel. Yeah. So how do you make that work? And he loves SpongeBob. He thinks the writing on SpongeBob is amazing, and so he's just like. I'm going to study Spongebob to make that sense. It's like, okay, cool. And so, like, his love of Spongebob helped fuel Better Call Saul. And he obviously has a great love for Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Uh, because Bob Odenkirk would keep coming up to him and go, like, I don't understand why you're making me do these scenes. And he said, because you're a really good actor. He's like, I'm a comedy guy. You know, I, I do sketch shows. And like, you're a really good actor. <laughs> and so, like, clearly he wants to he wants to do more work with... So where the passion comes from can be anything. And, yeah. But without it, it's very hard to... You can't, you can't, you know, it's almost impossible. This is one of the problems you see with people who kind of really undervalue inspiration is they also undervalue passion. Right. Because uh, what they do is they go... You, it doesn't matter if you've got block. You just go in there and you write every day. And so, well, sometimes you're blocked because you hate your work. Not because you've run out of ideas. Yeah. And if you don't have the passion, then you're not going to get the audience involved in your story. Because it, why would they? If you don't care about it, why would they? Mm. It's Okay. Iron Fist <laughs> has no passion. You're, I'm watching... I don't know how... I think I'm like five episodes into Iron Fist. I think I stopped in the middle of an episode. Netflix, if you're listening, take a look and see how many people could finish 
the current episode of Iron Fist that they're watching and see how much time it took between one episode and the next. That will tell you if people are watching it just because they want to see the Defenders or if, you know, they actually are enjoying the show. Anyway, Iron Fist is just... There's, it's, it's so palpable that no one in the show, none of the writers in the show, even like Iron Fist. There's, they just don't care. They just don't care about the character. And so there's such a lack of passion in it. It's just, we need the fourth defender. It's going to be Iron Fist. Let's do a Iron Fist series. And it's just, there's nothing here. No passion to it. So uh, you, so passion and inspiration. And of course, it's not inspiring at all. Yeah. There's no inspiration behind that show. There's none there. So you need the two. They need to go in, in order. But it's just one of those things where some people who have that one idea, I've got this one great idea. Actually, they've overvalued passion and overvalued ideas and inspiration. And then on the other hand, you have people who undervalue both. Mm. And really, it's it's just something you need to do to be able to do the work. You need inspiration, you need passion, but you need them both. And you can't just sort of focus on one or the other or ignore them or whatever, or that overvalue them. They're, they're not, as I said, they're not the story themselves. Yeah. You know, you having inspiration and passion doesn't mean you actually have a story. You actually have to write the story. But, you know, you can't really do it without those two. And you also wanted to talk about meaning. Yeah, so inspiration isn't meaning, of isn't necessarily the meaning of the story, because the controlling idea of the story is how and why things change. And an inspiration might just be what changes. Mr. Chips becomes Scarface is not the meaning of the work. It's not the controlling idea of the work. It's just what changes. It doesn't tell you how doesn't tell you why or anything like that you watch the series you've come to realize how and why mr chips can become scarface but that's not in the idea and if you have an idea that is how and why which is you want to make a point you chances are you're going to write a thesis you're not going to write a story Mm. and so even if you are inspired by meaning that's fine but and here's the thing to take away your inspiration can change metamorphose as you do your work and you might throw out an entire idea as you're writing your story and then start building a new idea based on the research you've done based on the work you've done based on understanding what's the passion that's driving you your entire idea might change and so uh if even if you are inspired by the meaning the potential meaning of a work the work doesn't have that meaning until you've written the story and it has that meaning. You can't just sit there and go, I want my story to mean X, put some events together and have a character say X and then think the story expresses that meaning. That doesn't, that's not how that works. No one in Breaking Bad sits down and tells everyone, this is why Walter White became Heisenberg. Right? That never happens, okay? Um, and so it's, that's, that's not it. The, the meaning of the work comes from the choice of events that happen and an inspiration is not a choice of events. It's the idea for events. It's not the actual events yet. So yeah, it can't. So even if you're inspired, I want to make this idea, this meaning happen in a story, great. But you now you have to write it. So it's just something to worth worth pointing out. Some people think inspiration means the meaning of the work. No, the meaning of the work comes when the work is done. And you, or, and as you're writing it, you start to realize what it's about, and you go back and you set it up and make it work, and so on. But that's not what inspiration is, even if the inspiration is about meaning. 
It's not the meaning of the work. Meaning of the work is the end result. Inspiration is the beginning catalyst. They're two different things. Okay. Makes sense? So even if your inspiration, if the catalyst is, I would love to have this be the meaning at the end, it's not the meaning. See what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. Do you, people at home? Good. I'm glad you're agreeing. Let's talk, let's talk about, about powerlifting. <laughs> well, incidentally, let's talk about a counterexample, which is <laughs> Justice League. And it's clear that there's been some powerlifting going on. Oh, my. For a second, I thought you were going to do a segue. Then I thought you weren't. And then <laughs> right at the end, you did a segue. And I'm like, that, that was a torturous road for me. I was on the edge of my seat. Um, and, yeah, we're not talking about powerlifting. No, we're not. Uh, so, okay, so uh, the Justice League film. I am looking forward to the Justice League film because I think Ben Affleck is the best Batman we've ever had. I think Ezra Miller is actually going to be a really good Flash. I'm I really like Gal Gadot's um, Wonder Woman. Jason Momoa looks like he's going to be a fun Aquaman. Um, I don't care about Cyborg. Um, I really don't. I, the only Cyborg I care about is was from Teen Titans. Booyah! That Cyborg. <laughs> As soon as you mention that cyborg, we go, yeah, cyborg's cool. As soon as you forget about that one, he doesn't even have a good name, cyborg. That's like calling Superman Krypton Man. Kryptonian. Ah, the Kryptonian. Alien. Just call him alien. Cyborg. Anyway. I don't like him. It's been a while since I ran. I'm happy to let you go. But regardless, uh, Justice League, I'm actually really looking forward to it. However, the reason I want to bring this up, and this was the rant I mentioned on Twitter that I was going to save for a podcast. Um, The problem with the Justice League is there's a whole other aspect of inspiration to consider, and the Justice League is a bad idea at the moment. Not the Justice League in the sense of Batman, Wonder Woman. You mean the idea for the film? The idea for the film is not a good idea. That doesn't mean, this is very important, that doesn't mean it's going to be bad. It might actually be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Because guess what? I actually don't know all the ins and outs of the story, so they may have some stuff that I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. That's not in the trailer. I can only go based on what seems to be the basic premise of the work based on my very sad knowledge of comics. (laughs) Okay. And basically the premise of Justice League, spoilers, I guess, for a film that isn't out yet. So the basic premise of the Justice League film is that... um, Is this... This is all based on what you've seen in trailers and your stuff. And what I've read and comics. Okay. The basic premise of it is... so. uh, A writer from the comic book world has been brought in to be sort of the Kevin Feige of the DC uh, films. Wait, is this in the film? No, no, no. (laughs) A human being, an actual person, has been, as a comic book writer, has been brought into DC to become the sort of Kevin Feige of the DC films. Sure. Uh, Jeff Johns. Uh, Jeff Johns, for those of you who are wondering, maybe if you haven't read the comics, he wrote the Green Lantern film. So good choice, DC. Um, <laughs> that face, Luke. I can't uh, tell if that's me or the film. Uh, no, I did. I didn't know that history of Justice League. I see. I'm I'm quietly optimistic because I'm I'm actually very quietly optimistic because I really enjoyed Batman Superman. So did I, and I'm I'm in, I'm still optimistic about it. I don't think it's going to be necessarily terrible, but I just want to point out some things. So, but that's a red flag. This th- that is in itself could be a red flag, but here's a further red flag, because he wasn't, like, the only guy involved in Green yeah, Lantern, sure, right? Sure. He's written a bunch of comics, none of which I'm sad to say I enjoyed. Uh, one of them was called Justice League War, 
which was basically it seems to be the premise, the basic premise for the Justice League film. Sure. Uh, and the way that this works is this: there are some uh, uh, ancient alien computers called mother boxes, and they belong to Darkseid, who is the god of apocalypse, which is an alien planet. And the the Justice League are trying to stop the uh, mother boxes from being brought together so that Darkseid can come to Earth and terraform the Earth and destroy the Earth. Now, we've seen a hint of Darkseid in Batman v Superman, Batman, uh, Batman's future Flash, yeah. with a giant Omega symbol, that's Darkseid symbol, because of his Omega beams and all that stuff. So that's the future they're heading to with Darkseid. Okay? Okay. So the idea is these mother boxes are there, and I, I, by the way, I love Darkseid. I think Darkseid's amazing. That's the basic premise. So the premise of Justice League is one of Darkseid's henchmen, Steppenwolf, uh, is going to leave his band with Magic Carpet Ride. They're going to come to... Uh, <laughs> they get, he's coming to Earth to get the mother boxes. Okay? That sentence was a torturous ride for me. I am a torturous Magic Carpet Ride. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> so, Steppen... I want to point this out. The whole point of this film, Steppenwolf yeah. is coming to Earth to collect the mother boxes. Okay? Okay. That's the, that they're seems all, to be the premise. They're all on Earth? Three of them are. Okay. And um, and the idea being is that this will obviously usher in the next Justice League film, which will be them against Darkseid and the Apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the problem with this idea is a thing to consider for inspiration, which is, look at other stories, please. Just look at other stories around you, okay? You can't write in a bubble, in a vacuum, thinking that you what you're writing is somehow divorced from everything else you have to understand your audience and in order to understand your audience you also have to know what your audience has seen right how else can you understand your audience's expectations if you don't know what the kind of films they've seen what kind of stories they've consumed if you don't know any of that stuff right how can you tell what they're going to expect so you need to kind of have an idea of what surrounds your work what genre knowing what your genre is tells you what other kinds of stories are out there right knowing what your medium is tells you what kind of stories are out there so this is important so the problem with the justice league idea is not the idea itself is actually a terrible idea okay um it's what it is is that it's completely divorced from reality <laughs> okay it, they're not paying attention here's the thing thanos Okay, in the Marvel Universe that they've been building up to for 14 years? No, 14 films, beg your pardon. They've been building up to 2008, so almost 10 years, right? Mm. In fact, Infinity War comes out next year, so 10 years. They've been building up to Thanos. Slowly, slowly, slowly. Now, unlike other people who complain, well, you know, Marvel took their time to build up to Thanos. They should take their time to build up Darkseid. I'm against that. I'm actually all for Darkseid showing up in the first Justice League film. Like, just have him show up. Do it. Beat Marvel to the punch. That would be cool, right? Why not? Here's the problem. Marvel have been building up to Thanos for this amount of time. Thanos was created to rip off Darkseid. So Darkseid originally was a Thor villain. Jack Kirby created him to fight Thor. He was going to have the whole Ragnarok thing happen, and out of the fall of Ragnarok, you'd have Darkseid and Apocalypse. That was his thing. But then Marvel were like, hey, Jack Kirby, you know how you invented all those characters? We don't want you to have any money from them. And Jack Kirby was kind of like, 
screw you guys, and we're going to DC. And he went to DC and he took the New Gods with him. And he published them there rather than publishing them with Marvel. So DC got access to Darkseid and uh, New Genesis and Apocalypse and all those characters. And they be I mean, Darkseid's first appearance was in a Jimmy Olsen comic. Just saying. Okay. So, so Darkseid, and he was this huge success. Everyone loves Darkseid. So, on Marvel's side, uh, I believe the guy who was Jim Shooter, I believe it was, or it's Jim Stranko, but I think it's Jim Shooter, came up with Thanos because he looked at Darkseid a lot and went, wouldn't it be cool if Marvel had Darkseid rather than letting it go to DC? Let's invent a Darkseid character. So, he invented Thanos. Right. And Thanos is really cool. Okay, and the big difference between Thanos and Darkseid, and there's really not much of a difference, but there is a big difference. So Thanos worships death, loves death. Darkseid wants the anti-life equation, and that's all he cares about is the anti-life equation. I mean, pretty similar, right? The big difference is Darkseid is a god with a planet and an army. Thanos is a madman in a chair. Okay, so that's the big difference. If you give Thanos an army, he's Darkseid. There's yeah. no difference. So Thanos being a soul guy who's manipulating people, doing a power play, is what separates him from Darkseid. So he's more manipulative and more intelligent in a way than Darkseid is because he doesn't have the brute force of Darkseid. So there's a slight difference, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. that they kind of fell into with Thanos. So there is a difference. But what is Thanos up to in the Marvel Universe? He's collecting the six gems to create the Infinity Gauntlet. What is the premise they've got for Darkseid? Darkseid doesn't always go around collecting mother boxes, but in this particular one, he's Sonic the Hedgehog running around picking up mother boxes. Okay, that's the premise. So what they've done, DC, is they've gone, we have the original Thanos, so we're going to put our Thanos, the better Thanos, the original Thanos, on the big screen. And that will gazump Marvel. And no, it won't. It will just make the Justice League look derivative. It will make them look like they are copying Marvel. Right? Because you have a big alien menace collecting powerful alien artifacts so he can kill a lot of people, which is just the Thanos pitch, right? And you're going to build over it, what, two Justice League films, whatever? So all it's going to look like to the vast majority of people who didn't waste their lives reading comics, like this guy, right? Those, it will look like DC copied Marvel in every way, okay? Yeah. That's why it's a bad idea. Not because Darkseid collecting mother boxes is actually a bad idea. I mean, why not? It's fun, right? The actual problem is Darkseid collecting mother boxes to compete with Thanos collecting the Infinity Gems is n- <laughs> it's just it's not going to work. It's right? basically a big game of Titan-sized hungry, hungry hippos, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so that's the thing. So, my feeling is, look, if I Let's let's pretend I am all powerful, okay, and I have the capacity to get into Warner Brothers and say, "Hey guys, I know you want to do a Justice League film. Here's what I would say: the Justice League film, okay, the first one, the obvious villain you want for the Justice League that Marvel cannot compete with you, right? Marvel. So let's you know, I did the whole ridiculous football farce, right?" Right. Let let me show you. So that was to explain like how different aspects build an idea. This is to show you how knowing what's out there helps can help create a better idea. Okay. So they want to make the Justice League. They want to do this whole thing. Okay. What is the what is the fundamental thing that the Justice League can do that the Marvel Avengers cannot do? 
And that is the Legion of Doom. Okay? Or the Injustice Gang. Or the Secret Society of Supervillains. They have... It always has a different name. But the basic premise of that villain team... Look, you look. This is DC. DC have some really terrible names. I like the Legion of Doom as a name. I just I cannot get on board with gang. As what a about co- as a collective noun for supervillains? What about gang the, is what about right. the Injustice Society? Because <laughs> that's another name for a slightly different team. <laughs> <laughs> you know who they fight? You're making this up. No, do you know who they fight? The Justice Pack. I don't. Oh, you were so close. Really? Yeah. Do you want to try again? Who do you think the Injustice Society fight? The Justice Society. You, Sarah, are a winner. Oh my god. <laughs> you. Ah. Oh, you know what? They have two characters on the Justice Society. One's called Stars, and the other one's called Stripes. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not making any of this stuff up. Okay. You you, ha- you don't know bad superhero names, supervillain names, until you look up DC. I mean, some of it's charming, but think about it. The Riddler. I know. The Joker. <laughs> These are not great names. I know we've talked about, um, uh, in the Marvel Universe, like, what's going to come after Infinity War? <laughs> and there's this enormous drop-off of, of quality of, of quality from, like, Such the, top, the, top tier, <laughs> the top-tier heroes. Yeah. What, you, what we can look forward to in a few years' time. Um, in DC, you have we could have the Power Pack. You have you have Batman, you have Superman, and then whoop, <laughs> the off the cliff you go. Oh yeah, yeah, you do. Hawkman, who is he? DC doesn't actually know. Is he an alien? Maybe. Is he an ancient Egyptian character? Maybe. Is he a reincarnated ancient Egyptian? Possibly. Is he a reincarnated ancient Egyptian alien? I think so. But then, but then Marvel have their own problems with is Magneto dead? No one knows. They can't decide. They really can't. I I, I could tell you this story. This is a great story. Just Go quickly. On. So they did a whole story arc. Grant Morrison wrote this great story arc. It's opened with an, a story called E is for Extinction, and they uh, a giant sentinel is unleashed on the island of Genosha where Magneto and all his mutants live, and they kill and it kills Magneto. That's like in the issue one. Years later, a character has shown up called Zorn. Zorn has this skull helmet on and he's got all these cool powers and he's a Buddhist and he's awesome, awesome, awesome. And then it turns out he's Magneto. He's been pretending to be Zorn all this time. And you go, what a great toy. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Then Magneto's now Zorn. He's, ta- he, you know, he's revealed he's Magneto. He starts doing things. He's about to take over the world and then Wolverine kills him. And then Marvel went, Magneto's dead. And Grant Morrison had finished his run and he left. Yeah. And they went, we need to bring back Magneto. How do we do that? Well, what if Zorn was a real guy and the guy who thought he was Magneto was Zorn's evil twin? <laughs> so they did that. And then someone pointed out, Magneto died at the beginning of the arc. Is he still dead? <laughs> and they went, ho ho. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> right? This is... This is <laughs> a real thing that happened. I've never heard you make that noise before. This is a real thing because I never told you the story of Zornetto. (laughs) Zornetto's evil twin. Will reminded me of this. Will, who was on our podcast just a couple weeks ago, he reminded me of this thing. I was like, oh, I forgot all about it. The mind breaking that this is. It's just a stabbing in my mind. A memory I suppressed. So, we're talking about bad ideas, right? Okay, this is Zornetto. This just feels like this is a good segue. Yeah. We're talking about comics, bad ideas, 
that is a bad idea. It doesn't even solve the problem you wanted it to solve. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, so I forget why I brought into this. It doesn't matter. Oh, oh yeah, I, bad names. I was, <laughs> was going to suggest the D-Man movie. The D-Man. We're talking about. You know what the D stands for? Uh, it's demolition. It, it does. Yeah. Get Slice Stallone to play him. Boom. Boom. D-Man, is by the way, is <laughs> one of the only tertiary characters I know from Marvel. But he's a wrestler with a heart defect. He does. He has superhuman strength, but if he uses it, he might have a heart attack. He has Wolverine's mask and a giant D on his chest. Uh, it's just terrible. Anyway, but uh, lovable in its own way. So D-Man. <laughs> anyway, I honestly don't... I wouldn't be surprised if they came up with the name D-Man and didn't know what the D stood for. And he was in a couple of issues before they knew. I wouldn't be surprised. But anyway, so the point is, Justice because we've got it because of the Injustice yeah, yeah. later. So, the it's Legion Scally of Doom, gang. which is the one you prefer, okay? Yeah. The Legion of Doom. I like the Injustice Gang because the comics I read that with really good stories of them, they were called the Injustice Gang. That's how I'm used to it. So I'm fine with it because they earned that name because okay. they were badass. Because the point of this team is this. They fight the best friends club. <laughs> The Legion of Doom fought the Super Friends, so I'm just saying, right? I'm just saying, dude. That's that's what they were called. They were called. They weren't called the Justice League. They were called the Super Friends, and that's why I don't care for the name Legion of Doom because that means it's Super Friends. Okay, so who picked the right name now? There, are, there are times where I forget how completely insane comics are and how I'm just used to it. This is such an enormous blind spot in the DC universe for naming. What is this a thing? <laughs> How are the super friends a thing? The, look, Superman and his friends. Super friends. <laughs> well, I, I, what more do you need? I I don't understand, Luke. I don't understand why you're okay. not on board with this. Ho oh, oh. Anyway, so virtually every joke name I've pitched, you're like, "Oh God!" Oh yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is so close. Yeah. What about Crazy Quilt? <laughs> no. Are we going to talk? If we're going to talk about bad ideas, we've got Crazy Quilt. We've got Typeface. I know about Typeface. Typeface and Typeface was invented in the nineties. <laughs> so th- there's no, you know. Isn't he? Is he the punctuation themed villain? Yeah, he just throws punctuation marks at people <laughs> and things. <laughs> That was that was a good sound. That was a good sound. <laughs> Broken. <laughs> Crazy quilt. Right, Super villain goes blind. Decides to do art related the crimes. That's it. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> that's that's it. That's Crazy quilt. Uh, there's psycho pirate. Um, there's a lot. Just the Justice Society main villain is called Johnny Sorrow. Okay, that's so a pretty cool guy. Though, the actually. thing that Jason and I are writing at the moment. Yeah. We're having to create a, like a stable of yeah. heroes and villains. Yeah. None of the names that we have come up with are as stupid as those. I know. And ours is a comedy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no way you'll, you'll be. Look at the tick. Right. The tick was trying to be funny. <laughs> and uh, I love the tick, but man, it couldn't compete with a crazy quilt. Crazy. Now, uh, or Ma Murder. Uh, the old woman in charge of the mob. Ma Murder. Uh, that's another one pretty cool uh no it's not uh oh oh ha, oh no the best one the best one of them all because i only found out about this guy recently oh, God. animal vegetable mineral man <laughs> you're lying i'm not you're lying. i promise you i'm not guys google this people animal vegetable mineral man is a real thing okay 
are real. <laughs> I was watching an episode of Batman the Brave and the Bold, and this villain showed up, and I'd never seen him before, and I went, what is this villain? And then Batman goes, ah, animal, vegetable, mineral, man. I'm like, that can't be a real one. Went online. Oh, it is. So, um, yeah. Bottom of the barrel. Anyway. Bad ideas, right? Bad ideas. <laughs> so the Justice League, so the whole point of the Legion of Doom, Injustice Gang, whatever, the fun of this, just to get back to this, what the Justice League can do that the Avengers cannot do, okay, is this. The Injustice Gang, the Legion of Doom, is all the best villains teaming up against the Justice League. So it's Lex, Joker, uh, and the less good ones uh you know black manta or ocean master um gorilla grod or a reverse flash those kind of guys all teaming up together gorilla god's awesome okay i was laughing at reverse flash oh it's a terrible name. name but it was either that or professor zoom so i could live with professor zoom really <laughs> professor zoom it is because they're the same character oh really yeah they're the oh, same geez. character you just okay. needed or maybe they're not it's time travel comics who knows? Anyway, the point being, this is what they do better than... That's what they can do that the Avengers can't do because who do the Avengers have as villains? Well, they have Thor with Loki and they have Captain America with Red Skull and that's it. Um, you know, Iron Man has Iron Monger. The, the, the rogues gallery for those guys isn't as interesting as, say, Superman and Batman's rogues galleries with everyone else teaming up because the Avengers, with the exception, I guess, of Captain America, the Avengers were characters who never could really have their own line of comics they they kind of hung out together you know they would have maybe one title a month each at most but they hung out together so the villains that they faced were villains that would take them on as a team okay right whereas the dc ones existed separately were created independently all the avengers were created together by the same people you know Uh, they were all part of the marvel universe from the beginning all the dc characters started as separate characters in their own worlds that slowly started hanging out with each other and then got combined together into a single world. And so as a result, they have sort of a pedigree of individual villains. So the thing you want to do for a Justice League film is throw them up against the reverse Justice League, right? The evil Justice League, the secret Mm -hmm. society, the the Legion of Doom, whatever, right? That's the thing that you want to do with them. That's really cool. That cannot be the first Justice League film. Because you need to set up each of the villains individually. Yeah. So that means before you can do Justice League 1, you have to do the Flash film, you have to do the Batman film, you have to do the Superman film, you have to do the Wonder Woman film, and tell everyone who the villains are. Superman and Batman you could get away with because everyone knows Lex, everyone knows Joker. Yeah, yeah. But the rest you need to set up. You need to tell people uh, who, who's Mirror Master. Mirror Master's really, really cool, but you actually have to put, do a film with him, right? Yeah. So that can't be number one. That, therefore, has to be number two, because you want to do it as soon as possible, because it's awesome. right? It's just going to be great fun to watch all those guys fight all those guys. That's yeah. the fun, right? So, what can number one be? Well, the number one... So, number three, Dark Side's an obvious good choice, because by the time you do Justice League 3, uh, Avengers Infinity War will be done, Thanos will be done, and if they haven't done Thanos well, you have a chance to show up and go... This is how they should have done Thanos, right? Mm. Here's the better version of Thanos. So you can come in. Because it's too late for them to beat them to the punch for Thanos. Yeah. You can't have Darkseid set up Darkseid and have Darkseid showing up just as Thanos is about to finally show up. It, you can't compete with that. The impact won't be Yeah. The same. So either you wait 
until he's done. Well, you do it way earlier. They couldn't do it way earlier, so you wait until Thanos is done. So yeah. number three is probably the earliest you could do Darkseid. And that gives you time to slowly set him up. Yeah. Right? So you can leave Darkseid alone. So who is the villain for the first Justice League? And immediately you realize you need a villain for the Justice League that isn't an alien because it can't be anything like Thanos. Mm. It can't be a character who's going around collecting and building a giant alien MacGuffin. You don't want aliens involved at all. And you probably don't want magic involved because you don't want to get into all the otherworldly cosmic stuff because then you have all the problems of, again, you've got a Thanos-type situation. You know, you've got a creature from beyond the Earth coming in. Mm. So you don't want that. You don't want Star, the Star Conqueror, Starro. You don't want Despero. You don't want any of those guys. And so you look at the DC Universe and go, what villains exist that aren't alien that I could use for the Justice League film that therefore you wouldn't have them be anything like Thanos and it would set the Justice League apart from the Avengers. And then that way you can go into Justice League 2 and show a completely different villain that the Avengers never did. The Avengers have never fought a team. You do your reverse Avengers, right? Mm. The Avengers, they spend all their time building the heroes up. You do it the other way around. You spend all your time building all the villains up for the second Justice League. So you have a flip version of it, so you can have fun with that. So straight away you go, okay, number two's really good. All the individual films, we can set up the villains for that. That's all going to work out. Bam. So number one is the big problem. Okay? If we want Justice League 1, if you don't want Justice... If you want Injustice Gang, Legion Doom to be Justice League 1, then it means you put away the Justice League for a while. But they wanted to do them early, right? So you need a villain that can do it. And so now you would start researching the DC Universe looking for a villain that would be completely different to Thanos and yet give you all the opportunities you need for a really good Justice League film that's what you would do so uh, in terms of idea I'm waiting for the answer to, is oh, there an answer? no oh. I was <laughs> waiting for the bombshell where you're like boom Lex Luthor mic drop uh, actually that's the problem because nah. uh, Lex Luthor, um, the, the, I, I, I was looking this up. I was looking at who would you use, right? And I felt that the best answer was Vandal Savage. You've never heard of. Nope. But Vandal Savage is an immortal caveman. <laughs> uh, basically, it, he's imagine if Rachel Ghoul and Lex Luthor got together and then were 50,000 years old. Okay. And that's Vandal Savage. And the idea would be you'd cast someone like Brad Pitt as Vandal Savage. You'd cast someone who's really... Like, everyone loves him. Yeah. And he's... so. But the problem with Vandal Savage is you have to find a way to make him not Lex and not Rachel Ghoul. Mm. And so he needs work regardless. Because if you put Vandal Savage out there, he will appear to be a lot like those guys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the other option you could do, and it's not a very good one, I don't think, is the Crime Syndicate, which is the evil Justice League. So it's Ultraman instead of Superman. They're literally those the Justice League, but bad versions of them. Right. But that's not particularly interesting either. You have to get them into the world, which means you do have aliens of some sort. And yeah. I, I, so there's, there's not a particularly great one that just works. You have to actually sit down and make it work. Because Vandal Savage, how can he take on Superman? You have to make that. So it's just difficult, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my point being is, not that the idea is, you know, this is it, but rather my point is that to, you know, we're talking about the quality of ideas and inspiration. Well, the problem with the Justice League film is not that the idea is inherently bad. Uh, It's just that it's not really aware of its marketplace at the moment. 
I mean, I think that they're thinking they can try and, you know, trump Darkseid. And I think they've got their... I don't see how that's going to happen. Mm. I mean, even if Batman v Superman was an enormous success, I'd still think they'd have an uphill battle. But they've so far had nothing but misses. I mean, I like Batman v Superman, right? Don't get me wrong. Man of Steel didn't do well. Batman v Superman did okay, but uh, got panned. Suicide Squad was a failure. You know, Wonder Woman hasn't come out yet, and there's a lot riding on Wonder Woman, right? Yeah. But When's if Wonder, Wonder Woman out soon, very soon. So if Wonder Woman comes out and that's bad, what comes out between Wonder Woman and Justice League? Thor Ragnarok, right. Spider Man Homecoming. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. how do they seriously think that they can compete with Marvel with Dark Side against Thanos? That's not going to happen. So it's such a uh, such a mistake, and it's wasting Darkseid. Darkseid's oh, Darkseid is better than Thanos in a way. I mean, Thanos is a really great character. Actually, I love Thanos, mm. but in a way, like for Thanos, <clears throat> for like the big team, like Batman, Superman up against Darkseid, it's really hard to beat that. That's really great, and so to spaff it away like this is kind of a mistake. So that so the problem with the idea is it's not paying attention to its marketplace. So if you know you've got a store and you go, man, it would be great to do this. Well, think about it. So Vince Gilligan with Breaking Bad, he knew. No one had ever done a single character change for five seasons. No one had ever done it. Uh, if you think about it, before Breaking Bad, who did it? Tony doesn't really change in, no. in The Sopranos. No one in The Wire really changes, and even if they did, it's an ensemble. It's not a specific character. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so before that, Babylon 5 was an ensemble. So what characters on television, what, or rather what shows on television focused on a single character arcing over the course of five years like completely changing over the course of five years no one had done it so vince gilligan a lot of his appeal for that story was i want to do this show that no one has done before that there is an audience for i'm sure of and people will really react to it and he was dead right right Mm -hmm. so um and now of course since breaking bad uh that this is kind of a thing that we almost expect in our shows right that these sort of changes happen. Yeah. So for the Justice League, you look at it and you go, they're going, oh yeah, we'll have giant space guard collect a bunch of ancient artifacts to fight the superhero team. And you go, I, have you not been paying attention? <laughs> that's not the right place to start this franchise. Yeah. You've got to pick someone else. So that's so the whole thing of this is just, other than the incredible... Segways gonna... we've had into uh, <laughs> powerlifting and comic book creation. I was going to say let's let's yeah let's wrap done. this puppy up. Yes. What what um what can we take for our own writing? So just to take away the idea of being able to tell a good idea from a bad idea, that's it. It's not about um uh, uh a it's not about uh, ranking your ideas or finishing an idea before you start writing or any of that nonsense it's not about valuing a log line it's not about any of that it's just simply about how to recognize the amount of potential an idea has mm. and the amount of work an idea might need to take if time is a factor if you've got to pick between competing ideas um, and the things to consider as I said is if you, the idea itself you want it to have conflict. You want it to have insight. 
you want it to have a structure to it you want it to have an emotion to it you want to have a actual reality to it as well these are things to consider but not necessarily things that are necessary in order to start writing but if you're lacking in one of these areas then it's possible that your story might not have the legs you think it needs to get all the way to the end um, the other thing to consider is that you're gonna to have to research no matter what so how much research does this idea need in order to work at all then you've got to consider your passion for it do you actually even like the idea or is it just a fun intellectual exercise if it's just that don't bother you know come up with something that you know drives your heart a bit and then uh, uh, consider that just remember that your idea is not the meaning that the meaning is the end result the idea is the catalyst so don't you know don't in other words don't confuse the start point for the end point it's not the same thing yeah Okay, your idea is not a story. Your idea is not a story. Okay, it's not the same thing. Um, and also, finally, to bear in mind what works surround your works. You know, if you know you put your you know now I guess on Netflix, right? You imagine you have a film or a TV series that goes on Netflix. What are the films and TVs that says, "Did you like this? Then how about this?" Mm. You know, what are the ones that are surrounding it? Pay attention to those things, and then that will hopefully refine your idea or make you go. My idea, it's been gazumped. Now is not the right time for it. Maybe in five years it's the right idea, time for that idea, but now is not the right time. You can work on it in your own time, but you can focus on something else. So it's just to help you, you know, as I say, there's a lot of talk and a lot of writing about people going, it's a good idea versus a bad idea. No one ever bothers to stop and suggest what actually constitutes a good idea. And my feeling is, good idea versus bad idea is irrelevant if it gets you writing because the idea is actually unimportant what matters is the final result okay yeah. so it doesn't matter but if you are looking at your ideas and you're trying to work out something about your ideas and you're trying to understand your ideas here's a way of looking at it to understand this is a good idea this is a bad idea and as i said with breaking bad it's a great idea right time for it lots and lots of material built into it and Vince Gilligan obviously had a passion for it. The Justice League, they've got the passion. They've actually got not a terrible idea, right? I mean, it's the idea Marvel are doing. But it's just the wrong damn time. It's the wrong time for that idea. And as a result, conceptually, that film is flawed. And no matter how good it is, you need to get people into the, into the cinema. And you've got to fight that now. So you've just made this film a lot harder to succeed than it should have. You know? So... That's just so I would suggest in all in all, the Justice League has a bad idea. But as I said, if it's really great, who cares? Yeah. But if you know, I'm just trying to help make sense of these things. Like, how much more fun would the Justice League movie be? How much more exciting would it be if there were no aliens in it at all? And it was a completely different villain, completely different from the Marvel universe. And people go, Wow, that's a new thing we haven't seen. It might just give it that thing of like, well, at least DC isn't copying Marvel, right? Mm. But anyway. Good? I think so. All right. So let's Do talk f- about Mystico. I was going to say, who's your, who's your <laughs> favourite? We'll end with this. Who's your favourite stupid DC character or Marvel? Oh, Tattered Demalion. <laughs> Explain. Oh, he's a tap-dancing hobo with magic powers? And scenes. <laughs> <laughs>